bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobiel. And now, today's Word. Today is part six of Words of Our Salvation, and my subtitle is Atonement. Atonement. Atonement is, is a very big theological word that is uh, related to our salvation, and most of you might have heard that word used uh, in terms of our salvation phrases like, I, I have been atoned, uh, or Christ atoned us uh, in his salvation, or we have atonement in Christ, in whichever form uh, that word uh, is, uh, is being used. And usually, uh, it is used to describe uh, the kind of reconciliation that happens when two people have been separated. There is reconnection or reconciliation. There is atonement. Uh, the English word atone uh, started as two words. It used to be at one, A-T and then O-N-E. And, and over time, the English joined at one into one word, and they called it atone. And, and that is how the word in English has uh, grown. But in the Bible, uh, it started from the Hebrew, and then it also went into the Greek. So what does the word atonement mean? There are three important spiritual ideas that I will share with you concerning the word atonement. When we say atonement, what does it mean? First, it means to cover, to cover. Uh, the Hebrew word that is used and translated as atone sometimes means to cover something or smear something, to cover. And in a spiritual sense, it is used to describe when God hides our sin from his sight, or God covers our sin. So when we say that uh, God has atoned our sin, it means he has covered our sin. He has put something on top of our sin, covered it, or cleaned it up. Secondly, uh, the word atone means to remove. To remove. So it's not just about covering and leaving it there, but covering and removing it. And so when we say that our sins have been atoned for, it means that God has taken away our sins. He has not only covered it, he has also removed it. There are two different things, the covering of our sins and the removal of our sins. And the third idea that emerges from atonement is to amend or to mend, to repair something. When God repairs our relationship with him, it means to put something right. So uh, the process of atonement covers these three areas. God covers our sin, God removes our sin, and God repairs his relationship with us. So in atonement, these three things happen. In the Old Testament, atonement was used for any time the people sinned, there had to be atonement one way or the other. Um, 
the word is found in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you don't find exactly the word atonement, but you'll find other words describing atonement like propitiation and reconciliation, which all means atonement. So what I'm going to do today is to look at atonement both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So let's start with atonement in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, what was atonement? There, there, there are many times atonement is used uh, when people sin, as I said, but the highlight of atonement uh, in the Old Testament occurred on the day of atonement, what the Jews call the Yom Kippur, the Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. The Bible describes the day of atonement as the 10th day of the seventh month. It occurred always on the 10th day of the seventh month, the day of atonement. And it started from the book of Exodus, but it is explained more in the book of Leviticus. And we'll go out to look at the day of atonement in a little detail. On the day of atonement, the person who led the process, the atonement, was the high priest. And the high priest would start the process of atonement. Normally, uh, it's on three levels. There will be the atonement of the sins of the high priest himself, because he had also sinned. So his sins would be atoned for, and he had sacrifices to do for that. And then there'll be the atonement of the temple or the tabernacle and the instruments that are used in the tabernacle because people have touched them and infected them with their sins. And, and then finally, there will be the atonement of the people. Now today, I will only focus on the atonement of the people, which is what applies to us, really. And so we will uh, take it from there. In the atonement of the people, uh, God would ask the high priest to present two goats, of course, without blemish and so on, two goats. And uh, one of them will be chosen to be killed, and the other will be chosen not to be killed. And they serve two different purposes, those two goats, because they were the instruments God was going to use for the atonement of the sins of the people. So I'm going to walk you through what happened to the two goats, and then later on I'll go to the New Testament, and then we'll see how Jesus Christ came to fulfill what happened uh, to the two goats. So the first of the goats was used as a sin offering. It is called the goat of the sin offering. The goat of the sin offering. And the reference is in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse number 15. Leviticus 16, 15. Then he shall kill. I want you to note that carefully. Kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil to do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. These are very powerful instructions. The blood of this goat was used to atone for the sins of the people. And the instruction God gave is that the high priest 
would take the blood of this goat and go beyond the veil and apply it on the mercy seat. So you would ask, so what does it mean to take it beyond the veil? Now the Old Testament temple had three divisions. We have the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies or the most holy place. Now the outer court is where the mass of the people, everybody, you and I, can go to the outer court. The inner court, only the priests could go there, but even the priests by selection. The holy of holies, only one person could go there, and that is the high priest. Between the holy place where the priest could go and the holy of holies, there is a veil. And that veil covered the holy of holies from the rest of the people. In the Holy of Holies, there was one instrument or one thing that is the Ark of the Covenant. On top of the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat. On top of the mercy seat, there are two angels. The mercy seat represented the throne of God. So, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest was permitted to go beyond the veil. That happens only once and only by one person. If anybody else goes through the veil, they will die. And if the high priest himself goes through the veil on any day except the day of atonement, he will die. So you go through the veil only once, and only one person could do that. That's so important. Only one person can do that, not three people. Three people cannot atone, four people cannot atone, ten people cannot atone. Only one atones. That's the high priest. And he goes through the veil to the Holy of Holies and he will put the blood on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Why does he do that? He does it for two reasons. First, the blood of the goat that is applied on the mercy seat covers the sins of the people. It covers the sins of the people. So when they put the blood on the mercy seat, it means that the blood has covered the sins of the people. The animal has died for the sins of the people and now its blood has covered the sins of the people in God's presence. So basically it is saying, God, our sins are covered by what? by the blood of the goat that has been sacrificed. That's the first thing, the covering of the sins of the people and it occurred at the mercy seat. The second thing that it means is that the blood has reconciled the people to God. The blood has reconnected the people to God. Why do we say that? Because it is put on the mercy seat. That's the place of God's mercy. In other words, the people are saying, God have mercy upon us, cover our sins, and reconcile us to yourself. And because the curtain that separated God from the people is now open, it signified that now God has relationship with the people again. So on the day of atonement, the sins of the people are covered by the blood, and, uh, and, and God has reconciliation with his people. He, he comes into new relationship with them. And, and they are good people. Remember, this happened once a year. 
So all the sins of the people is accumulated for one year. And on the day of atonement, God covers it with the blood of the goat and then he reconciles with the people. So that's what happened with the first sacrifice. The goat that is killed, that whose blood goes to the Holy of Holies and uh, which is applied on the mercy seat is the covering of sin and reconciliation of the people. Then there was a second goat. And this second goat was not killed. It was called the scapegoat. The scapegoat. The offering of the scapegoat is in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 21 to 22. Leviticus 16, 21 to 22. Now this one is quite interesting uh, as we read it. And, and this is what the scripture says. Aaron, that is the high priest at the time, and other subsequent high priests, Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat. This goat is not killed. The first one is killed. This one is not killed. Shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So in the first instance, the goat does not bear the sins of the people. The goat pays for the sins of the people, does not bear it but pays for it. And, and, and the reason is because the wages of sin is death. And so when sin occurs, death must happen. And since God can, will not kill us because we need to repent, if he kills us, we can repent, God then punishes somebody else, in this case a goat, so that we can have life or the people can have life. So the goat has done no sin. When the people were sinning, the goat was not there. But on the goat, the sins of the people is laid. So that goat is killed. And that goes to, uh, to the mercy seat. But this second goat, it is not killed. They bring the goat to the high priest. And the high priest will put his two hands. He lays his hands on the head of the goat. And he begins to confess all the sins of the people which they've been sinning for one year. Because the Day of Atonement takes place in one year. It is the accumulated sin of the nation for one year. So the high priest puts his two hands on the head of the goat and begins to talk about the sins. We are liars. We are cheats. We committed adultery. We've been stealing from people. We've been inflating prices. We've been changing premixed oil for something else. You know, so all this, so the high priest is the one saying it. We, we, these are the sins we've committed. And he says them, it, it will be a long list of sins, including everybody's. I want to chase somebody's husband. So we have taken people's, people's wives. We have uh, all of that, all of that. So the goat is there quietly. And the high priest is pronouncing these sins upon the goat. 
and the sins, the transgressions, all of them, the iniquities, all of them upon the head of the goat. So by the time the priest finishes that, that process, the sin of Israel has now left the people and is now upon the goat. So in that sense, the goat then carries the sins of the people. It carries the sins of the people. Now, in the first goat, the first goat that is killed, it doesn't carry the sins of the people. It, it is sacrificed for the sins of the people. But this one carries it and is still alive. It's not dead. It carries the sins of the people. Now, after this goat is carrying the sins of the people, the idea is that all the sins of the people has now been removed from them. Not only forgiven, but removed from them and now placed upon this goat. Then something else will happen. The goat bearing the sin of the people will be taken from the camp taken from Israel or where the people are taken from the temple and taken outside. Traditionally, it is taken about 12 miles outside. And when it is taken outside, it is released in the wilderness, never to come back to Israel. So it leaves and it goes into the wilderness, according to the Bible, to an uninhabited land. It goes. Why do they do that? It, they do that to show that on the day of atonement, not only does God cover our sin, not only does God reconcile us, but he carries our sins away. And not only does he carry our sin, he removes the sin from his presence. So powerful things happen on the day of atonement. The price for sin is paid. The sin is removed. The price is paid and sin is removed. So it means that at every material time, when God, when they go through the day of atonement, not only have their sins been forgiven, but their sin has been removed. The tendency to sin has now been taken away from them so that they can live in righteousness for one year. And then after the one year, there'll be another day of atonement. That is how it occurs in the Old Testament. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebe, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebe. Email otebe at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.